John 18. It's at page 904 in the Bible supplied there in front of you, in the seat in front of you, if that's helpful, where we'll be turning this morning. When you read your bulletins this morning, you may have thought that there was surely a misprint. Here it is Christmas Day, and we're turning to the end of a gospel? Shouldn't we be turning to the beginning of a gospel, to Luke 2 maybe, and the angels, or Matthew 2 and the wise men? But your bulletin is right. It's not a misprint. To the end of Jesus' life, we turn this morning in order to understand its beginning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light, even us. And on us, your light has been shed. Continue to shed that light now upon our hearts by illumining this word to them, this word that your spirit uh, inspired the day these words were written down. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John 18, we'll pick up at verse 28 and read through verse 38. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? We needed Christmas Day badly this year. didn't we? Let's face it, it's, it's been a hard year. 
the incessant backbiting of a bitter election year and fighting and bickering in our nation has left us weary. The preponderance of fake news hasn't helped heaping lies on top of lies, layers of lies. We hardly know what to believe anymore. The current pool of widespread cynicism is perfectly understandable in a culture where falsehood and deception is the norm and truth, the very idea of truth, has packed up its bags and left town. Politics went into hyperdrive this year as politicians looked right into the lens to say things they knew weren't true, that we knew weren't true, that the media knew weren't true. Lying through their lips like a fish moves water over its gills in a constant stream. You know the test for determining whether a politician is lying to you, right? It's when his lips are moving. Not all politicians, of course. According to an article I read in Newsweek magazine, we've been told now that we live in a post-truth era. A post-truth era. The author and academic Ralph Keyes has described it as a time when we don't, uh, we do not have just lies and truths, but statements also that may not be true, but that we consider too benign to call false. The idea has gained so much currency over the course of the U.S. election and the Brexit referendum in the U.K. that the Oxford Dictionaries named post-truth its word of the year for 2016. So Christmas didn't come a day, didn't come a minute too soon. Christmas brings us back to reality, back to fundamental truth, back to the the rock and the solid foundation on which the wise man builds his house. The world calls Christmas fantasy and nightly news from New York and Washington, D.C. reality. But in point of fact, it has them just turned around. Just backwards. There's nothing more truthful, more real, more significant, eternally significant than the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Compared to the reality of that, everything else is fantasy. With the coming of Christmas this year, two kingdoms have come crashing up against one another, much as they did when Jesus and a politician, a professional politician named Pilate, stood face to face on the day that Jesus died. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Light and darkness, truth and falsehood have met this Christmas day here just as surely as they did in Pilate's headquarters some 2,000 years ago. Pilate had been a crooked politician long enough to become deeply cynical about any claim to truth at all. 
So when Jesus stands there, when he, he stood there bearing witness to the truth, Pilate responds just the way we might anticipate. Under his breath with a sneering dismissal of Jesus altogether. Verse 38, what is truth? It's the perfect expression of our post-truth culture in which self-interested, self-seeking people take whatever path is most expedient, whatever road leads to popularity and power, regardless of whether it's the high road or the low. Just as we see Pilate doing here in, in our passage today. He knew full well that Jesus was innocent. Three times he declared it. He knew that he was not only innocent of the charges that were being leveled against him, had been brought against him by the politicians of the church, but that he was altogether innocent. Period. It was pragmatism. It was pragmatic politics and a full commitment to himself and most of all to the kingdom of lies, not a commitment to the truth that drove Pilate to, to, to free a murderer and crucify an innocent man according to his own verdict and judgment instead. Pilate was also living, wasn't he, in something of a post-truth culture. How sad for Pilate. How very sad. Truth stood there staring Pilate right in the face. And he would have nothing of it. At least it seems from this text that Jesus even offered him truth, didn't he? Seems to me that way that Jesus extended, it seems to be implicit here in the passage, he extended truth to Pilate at the end of verse 37, even an invitation. I think I hear everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus says to Pilate, I see here Jesus extending his hand to Pilate, even at this late time for Pilate to listen to his voice, to listen to truth, to receive the truth, and as Jesus said, by it to be set free. Alas, Pilate preferred bondage. And he acted accordingly, turning up his nose, trivializing and rejecting the truth that was right in front of him, in front of him preferring instead the lie. Through his body, the church today, Jesus continues to extend his hand to the world. An opportunity, an invitation to find true and real freedom in the truth. Christmas Today is the extension of his hand to the world. Today, he says, as he did to Pilate, this is why I was born. This is why I've come into the world. I've come to bear witness to the truth. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. 
Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Though it may seem overly simple for you to hear this, still it must be said. There is truth. There is truth. There is, as Francis Schaeffer used to put it, there is true truth. For Jesus revealing the truth the way he does here, this is how he extends his kingdom, how he builds his kingdom, how he saves people and rescues them from another kingdom and into his through the truth. But never was there a truer word written by the Apostle Paul than the one he gives us in the first of Romans. Wicked men suppress the truth. They suppress it. They hold it down. They work very, very hard to stifle it, to bury it, even in their own hearts. Trouble is, it pops up everywhere, everywhere you turn, all around us, all through the creation, even in us ourselves. Imagine a bathtub filled with water and on top of that water floating from one end to the other and one side to the other, solid floating ping pong balls. And in order to hold down all of those balls under the water, a man might lean over that tub and use his chest and use his, his arms and hands and even his face to, to push these balls down. But he can't because they keep popping up all around him. That's where we have been as a culture in which university professors tried very, very hard to, to hold down each and every ball of God's truth in submission to their sophisticated arguments that were very convincing to absolutely everyone who was inclined to believe them and desired to be convinced. But now, now even that has changed. Don't fight each and every ball of truth just deny that there are any balls there. Even while looking at a tub full of floating balls, simply deny that they're there, that they even exist. Truth itself is an illusion. That's where we've come. The sneer. What is truth? It rang down the halls of Pilate's place now echo down the corridors of academia and even of our popular culture. Multitudes of people, multitudes of them, went and voted last month in the election not based on fact, but on feeling. Not on truth, but titillation. Which candidate makes me feel better? But there is truth. There is truth, and that fact is plain. Relativism, the idea that there is no truth, may work very well in college essays and classrooms, but it does not work out nearly as well in air control towers. Or when one is standing in the path of a moving bus. 
All of a sudden, truth is truth. <laughs> Deny it all you please. We lost this month the last of our first astronauts when John Glenn died at 95. But, you know, he would not have lived nearly so long had NASA adopted the prevailing uh, postmodern, post-truth worldview. Imagine if preparing for re-entry to the atmosphere, uh, one of the rockets on his capsule had fired for just one second too long. With that change of trajectory, the capsule might have ricocheted back off into space, or, or instead of landing right where the rescue uh, crews and ships were in the ocean, thousands of miles away, or even crashed and been obliterated on land. Imagine if Houston had shrugged their shoulders and said, well, you know, what is truth after all? Truth can be denied very easily in theory, but not in reality. At least not without real consequence. Not when life and death is on the line. Not in science and not in theology or in religion. Jesus was born in Bethlehem where he was laid in a manger, rude and bare, to bear witness to the truth. And as he said elsewhere in the same Gospel of John, he is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father, the way back to God, from whom we have been estranged by our sin, the way to salvation. This is why he came. I love the, the poem, the Roy Lesson poem on a Christmas card that one of you sent to us this year. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us uh, a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so he sent us a Savior. He sent a Savior who not only bore witness to the truth, but proclaimed the truth, and not only proclaimed the truth, but lived the truth, and not only lived the truth, but died under it and rose again through it. Here is the truth, the truth. My friends, God created the world. He made it and everything in it, including us. We broke his law, his commandments, and we continue to do so every day. And the just penalty for our sin is death. But he had a solution for that too and has. He came to earth as a baby. He lived among us, undergoing the effects of sin and the fall, and then suffering for us and in our place, the just penalty in our place of death. And then he rose again and ascended into heaven. And one day he's returning to take us to himself. That is the truth. That is the capital T truth. He is the truth. And through faith in him, you may have everlasting life. Because as he says, the truth sets you free. This is not 
complicated, my friends. This is not difficult to understand. Jesus Christ is king. He came from God the Father in heaven. He knows what is real. He knows the truth. And he has revealed that truth, wonder of wonders, to us. He did not come here to supply us with, you know, inspirational thoughts and lovely themes. He came in reality to us with truth as the truth, fixed and solid and of eternal consequence. This Christmas is your opportunity to grasp what Pilate cast away. And by grasping it, by receiving it, to, to enter into the kingdom of eternal life. I'm not talking about taking up religion to make yourself feel better about yourself. If that were the case, I would send you home today with a prescription for some nice Christmas hot cocoa, some uh, mold uh, wine, and uh, taken after a warm bath next to the fireplace. I'm not calling you to be comfortable. I'm calling you to faith. Not because I think it will make you warm and cozy. I'm calling you to receive eternal life, to flee from the wrath to come that is in truth coming against all those who, like Pilate, refuse to receive the truth. Even when it is staring them in the face. I'm calling on you to receive the one who is born to bear witness to the truth that is himself and through whom, by faith, you receive eternal, everlasting life. I'm calling on you this morning to receive him who backed up his claim to kingship in Pilate's palace by going from there to the cross from there to the grave, and from there to heaven. Triumphant over death, body and soul. I'm calling on you this Christmas day to receive the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Amen.